0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome
1: back to Cover B. Real Extra We are
0: I didn't really quit. <laughs> you
1: just can't resist.
0: No, but I did it real subtle.
1: We are talking about Shang-Chi. Uh, yes! We went out and saw the new hit, Marvel Sensation, Shang-Chi, in Heck theaters. Yeah. Uh, support your theaters. Be yes. careful, but support your theaters. Yes. Um, and yeah, we want to talk about it. Probably yeah. won't get... I don't imagine we'll get too spoilery, but we'll yeah. make a note uh, if we do. Uh, for those who don't know, Shang-Chi is the master of kung fu in the Marvel Universe. He's a character that's been around for quite a long time, Uh. Originally starred in very pulpy Kung Fu books, uh, all martial arts based. He's popped up in modern era in different teams uh, and in different groups, as well as recently had his own run uh, startup. And I think it's still going. I think the whole Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe uh, is still happening. In the movie, we see Shang-Chi working in San Francisco as a valet. He's going by the name Sean. Uh, he's just living a normal life, not a lot of prospect with his best friend Katie, who's played by Awkwafina. Uh Suddenly he is attacked on the bus by a group of assassins that want a pendant that he has. Uh, he fights them off deftly, proving to Katie that he might not be who he says he is. And from that point on, Katie and uh, Shang are thrust into this world of magic and mythology, uh, as they try to figure out a way to stop Shang-Chi's dad from unleashing a terrible evil. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's so good. It was very, very good. <laughs> uh, incredible fight sequences. I think that's the first thing I want to talk about. The I was very worried with the initial trailers that we saw. Because I feel like they showed off a lot of wire fighting stuff. Yep. And a lot of real bombastic stuff and not a lot of the actual kung fu. Uh... But there's a lot of it in here. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of different forms of Kung Fu and other different forms of Chinese martial arts. Uh, Simu Lu, the actor who plays Shang-Chi, uh, has said various times, talked about his kind of training regiment to get ready for this. He had a very, you know, compared to a character like uh, uh, Daredevil, for right. instance, he had a lot of work to do because he's not wearing a mask. So he had to be able to perform as a martial artist because they couldn't just swap him out with a stunt double at any given time. Um, And so he had a lot of work to do. And he talked about kind of learning all these different forms of Kung Fu, learning different forms of Chinese martial arts, even learning like regional forms and regional stances and things like that. Uh, And it shows the choreography is really, really good. It's some of the better fight choreography that we've had in the Marvel universe Uh, If you were disappointed with the fight choreography in the most recent Mortal Kombat movie like I was, this is a nice, refreshing step in the (laughs) right direction. Uh, Also, we just haven't had a very, like, fist-on-face type of Marvel movie or Marvel thing in a while. I mean, Black Widow had plenty of, like, flips and really good fight sequences in and of itself, but it also had tons of, like, gunplay and explosions explosions and... You know, it was that more like CQC style stuff where it's about like quick takedowns and not as much too heavily trained opponents going at one another right. rigorously. Uh, and there was a lot of that in here. So if you're a martial arts fan like myself, very, very good. Uh, they had some wire fighting stuff, but it was always kind of relegated to the more supernatural fights. Um, and they even had like weapon fights and they had yeah it was good it was I, i don't know how else to say that the fighting was amazing but it was it was really really solid the martial arts on this was really good
0: i enjoyed how very like natural and organic and and real everything felt which is not always something you get from marvel like You know, Mm -hmm. I felt like Iron Man felt very like natural, but at the same time you're dealing with like a billionaire Playboy. So like there's always some level of like eye roll. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, well you can do this because you have a bazillion dollars. Yeah. But like you're coming into this guy, Similio did an amazing job being very much just like a dude you'd be hanging out with, like, at a bar. Yeah. Like, he's just a guy. He's just a dude. He's very organic. Like his relationship with Aquafina's character, Katie, is so just like, oh yeah, that feels like my two friends. Like, oh yeah, I've I've hung out with those people before. Totally. Absolutely. I mean,
1: and when we say he's just a dude, I would like to just go ahead and put an asterisk on there and just say an absolute honk.
0: <laughs> that is also very true. That, that is very true. He is he is quite dreamy i must say yeah. um,
1: i don't need 10 rings if he just wants to give me one <laughs> <ring>. <laughs> will will wife for Simu liu
0: it's true but it's so great like it, you know it gets very serious obviously and obviously he has this dark past and there's all this stuff that's been happening in his life but at the very beginning and at the face of it, he's just a guy that likes to go and party with his friend and do karaoke and, you know, go to work and get up and live life and it it was kinda nice because you always see these characters in the movies, in particularly Marvel, where like it almost feels like from the minute we're introduced to them, their destiny is spoken of. And yeah. like yeah. they are going to be greatness and like even even in if you think of like the first Thor, when we're introduced to like Jane Foster and Darcy, like they're out chasing storms, but they st- it still has that feeling of like they are going to achieve greatness. Yeah, you know what I mean. Whereas in this one, we're introduced to them, and they're kind of like mess ups. Like yeah. they don't really have any prospects. They don't have much future. Like yeah. they don't really want future. Like, not gonna lie, I have a lot of friends that felt like yeah. this. <laughs> just felt very millennial (laughs) like i'm gonna aimlessly drift because i'm happy right now (laughs) um
1: i think this is the final proof that marvel has finally figured out what i've been lamenting about superhero movies for a long time what i've said i think dc definitely got there first um and marvel has been Going there with their shows, their shows, particularly WandaVision and Loki, Mm -hmm. uh, fall into this category. And the closest they got movie wise, in my opinion, was Doctor Strange. But even then, with a lot of the Infinity Stone ties with Doctor Strange, it still felt kind of like they were trying to ground things and Mm -hmm. root things in some sort of explanation or uh, reality. Right. And that was, you know, I've talked about it endlessly and I'll continue to talk about it I think the weakest parts of setting up the Marvel cinematic universe the things that Marvel had to learn along the way the things that even though DC got there quickly uh them trying to rush to a cinematic universe didn't give them the experience of kind of learning that Marvel had yeah uh and the lesson that needed to be learned was that people do not give a crap about your reality no you know what I mean they don't Thor can just be Thor. Yeah. You don't have to have a whole big, what I see as science, you know, as magic. Like, no one cares. Yeah. No one cares. No. I don't need you, nobody needs you grounded in reality. Nah. Unless that's the story you want to tell, La la the Dark Knight series, the Christian Bale, right. Christopher Nolan, Batman Which stuff. makes sense for Batman, uh, though, because yeah.
0: Batman's kind of, like, he's just a dude anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? And,
1: uh, so, like, if that's the angle you want to go... By all means, go that angle, but you have to go hard. Right. You can't concede any, Concede? Concede anything. Right. There's no concessions can be made. Right. You have to just go for it. Yeah. And Marvel, for a long time, was trying to do this kind of in-between. Like, they had fudge science, and they had, like, reasoning behind stuff, and they were trying to, like... And that's it worked because they started with their scientific-based characters, with the exception of Thor. But as they got closer and closer to needing to include Doctor Strange... Scarlet Witch, all these people, you know, it became dicier to the extent where they introduced Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. And it's like, yeah, the twins, they were, you know, tested tested on on. with this Infinity Gem and that's why they have powers. And eventually they've kind of retconned that, it seems, to make Scarlet Witch just Scarlet Witch.
0: They do kind of retcon everything now because they even they even actively they're just like Thor's a god. And so, yeah.
1: (laughs) And so, like I said, they they got close With Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange didn't do a lot of... It was magic. (laughs) That's it. But considering specifically the Time Stone's importance to Doctor Strange, it's still kind of... And the, the... effects choices they used like I love the spirally teleporter thing it's super cool but it looks very technological it does and to an extent this movie does the same thing but I think it's just because Marvel's made a brand like the the big running theory in the setup to this movie was that the 10 rings were going to be some sort of alien technology and it's possible they still are it seems like they might be connecting these to the Eternals and the Celestials in some way right um but we'll see Uh, But they look kind of like tech, like they could be tech. They don't necessarily look just magic. Right. That said, there was a ton of freaking magic in this. Oh, yeah. And they didn't do anything. You know, there was mystical villages that exist in a space of its own. There was, you know, magical creatures and people with wind bending capabilities and stuff like that. And among other things, which we'll talk about later once we go into spoiler mode. But I think this was the first time Marvel had a big, big budget thing, big old budget thing where they didn't try to ground. They didn't try to explain why this magical village exists. No, they didn't explain that the magical creatures here were experimented on by inhumans. And now they look like this. No, they didn't. You know, the Kree came and gave these people magical martial arts abilities. No, they didn't explain any of that. It just was. It just was. It was mythology. It was magic. Because we don't care. We're fine with that. No. You know, we're fine if Wonder Woman wants to fight the Greek gods. We're fine if Shazam just wants to have his powers and not have a reason why he has his powers. Yeah. We're fine if Shang-Chi wants to go out and do magical things. We're fine if Loki wants to bebop around time with this time committee thing that can do things because why not? They can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... We're good with this. And so, like I said, the shows, WandaVision and Loki specifically, you know, really started to push that message (laughs) of, like, stuff's not going to be grounded anymore. Yeah. We're not going to try to explain to you guys. Not everything
0: has to make active sense.
1: That these are comic book movies. Yeah. And then I think this is the first one that we've really gotten from Marvel, where it's just like, this is a movie. I mean, the key to
0: it is just... I, it sounds silly, but, like, just say stuff with authority. Yeah. Like, there, you know, as Shang-Chi explains things to to Katie, he's just like, well, this is what happened, and this is what it is. Yeah, and she like... just sort of is like, with all of the knowledge we already have of, you know, dimensions and space and aliens and gods and Asgard and all this stuff, Katie, as a person in this universe, is just like, yeah, okay. That was weird, but cool. I mean, <laughs> how
1: popular... We're all the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, my gosh. How popular is the Harry Potter series? Oh, my gosh. And anytime Gandalf casts a spell, he doesn't have to be like, here's why my magical staff works. Here's why, you know, there's eagles now. Here's why saying this word in front of this door worked. It's some sort of ancient mechanism and it hears you. And no, it's just magic. It just works. People are fine with that.
0: People want to be a part of that universe. I don't don't
1: need the science of how a wand takes a word and then turns it into a special magical thing. I don't need that. I just need it to happen. You know, D&D is extremely popular. Fantasy movies and books and games and things like that have been incredibly popular. Video games themselves are incredibly popular and just put you into the world and don't try to make that world make sense in your scope. I mean, It's just like... I, I, You know, people since the 80s have been playing as a plumber fighting a dragon turtle with no questions. We don't need a gritty, realistic (laughs) idea of how dragon turtle exists. We tried that, and John Leguizamo was embarrassed for it. You know what I mean?
0: I mean, you know, one of the most popular video games of our modern era has been about taking giant injections, putting it into your arm somehow, and then now you have magic powers that change depending on what you've injected. Guess what? That doesn't make any sense.
1: (laughs) So I I think we're finally there, and I think that's good because we have a lot of really weird shit to talk about. (laughs) You know what I mean? We've got a multiversal Doctor Strange movie coming up. We've got a multiversal Spider-Man movie coming up. There's a lot of stuff happening soon. Uh we've got Blade coming in, we've got Ghost Rider yes. is supposed to be coming in, we've got Moon Knight coming in, so like and the Eternals themselves. Eternals is coming out in November. Look forward to Real Extra. Cover B presents Real Extra Eternals <laughs> coming to a podcast near you. Um And you know, that's going to talk about these super you know, super strong people that have been living on Earth that were experimented on by celestials that... Not Galactus. It's not Galactus. In the trailer, it's not Galactus. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Can't tell you.
0: <laughs> he, he, like, had Bro, an Bro, Galactus
1: is coming in. it. At... No, it's, he it's not. He had a bit
0: of an outburst in the theater where it, the, we were watching the trailer, and I just next to me quietly because there's other people in the theater. I just hear Chris go ah,
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> I just don't want people going into this expecting Galactus not getting Galactus and then being like bro they teased me with Galactus. Why no, did I get Galactus? There are other big space people There are lots of other big space people. I mean, Galactus
0: is a very cool big space person. Yeah,
1: but I think Galactus deserves his own sort of arc. I mean, mean?
0: they're not bringing us Fantastic Four with no intentions of Galactus. Exactly,
1: yeah. So, you know, Eternals in and of themselves is going to require a lot of reasoning, a lot of acceptance. It seems like they're already, (laughs) you know, they're already covering the whole, like, well, why didn't the Eternals help with Thanos thing? And it makes sense because the Eternals historically in comics are really like. Nah, that's a you problem, dog. <laughs> I ain't doing We're that. here to fight deviants, and that's like it, bro. Um, and that's just what they do. They don't really help out with other things. But yeah. um, so I think the most exciting thing I got from this movie, and there's a lot of exciting things, but the most exciting thing I got was that Marvel is officially ready to start pumping out movies with a supernatural and a magic tinge to them, mm-hmm. without trying to ground it either in our reality. Or in reality rules that they've already set for themselves. Right. You know what I mean? Because like, that's that's kind of, I guess that's the best explanation for what I'm talking about with Doctor Strange. Is While it didn't feel grounded in our reality, it felt like Marvel had already established these rules of yeah. what the MCU reality is like. yeah. And instead of letting Doctor Strange expand those rules, they tried to fit him in to that. Right and then right around the time of in game with the whole time heist and the ancient one talking to about timelines and stuff like that they started to really expand that reality. Yeah. And I think WandaVision and Loki really pushed that further. And I think with Shang-Chi what we're seeing is them being more willing to just bust those walls. Yeah,
0: fully expand it you know? to include everything. And that's and one big, of the things that I was going to say about Shang-Chi yeah. is that it is unlike any Marvel movie you've been in. True. It is. I mean, there's creatures and the fighting styles and the way it's filmed and the way it looks and, you know, underwater sequences. But it also it's cool because it bridged like six different types of movies because there's like car chase scenes and there's, you know, fight scenes and there's, you know, like a fighting ring and there's magical mythical creatures and it it, it's so broad but all works so cohesively we have not had anything like that in a marvel movie and i think it's because previously marvel movies have very much been this is this character is this type of character so all of the interactions with this type of character are going to feel like this specific thing Mm -hmm. so like the Thor movies were always very, like, Asgardian, and it feels kind of like you're watching a Kenneth Branagh movie, and, it, you know, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's got that very, like, you know, kind of mildly pretentious, like, magic, but to an extent, and and mild, and, like, sword fights, and, you know, think I don't know, it just has that type of vibe, and then, like, the Iron Man movies is always, like, explosions, and then, speeding off in the suit but then also explosion like there there's it's relegated to specific like feelings you know what i mean and specific scenes that you can have and specific types of fights that you can have and types of types of crises that can be presented this one showed literally everything from like baseline fight on a bus a la keanu reeves and speed to (laughs) like a, a giant fighting a giant demon and stuff like it's yeah. just it's cool Full on how, like
1: army based battles there yeah. was car chases it's, you know. it's
0: so much more broad and expansive and big and and you know kind of dazzling yeah. in a way and we have not had anything in the marvel universe in my opinion that has been that like you know, Endgame had a lot, but Endgame still had very specific, like, things that you're doing. There was mm-hmm. lots of talking. There was lots of big battles. But, like, n- you know, normal big battles. Like, a la, like, fighting orcs and Lord of the Ring type of big battles. Like, the, yep. y- you know, and each different person had different fight styles, but it was still, like, the same type of fighting. And, like... The time travel stuff was cool, but it was still like everybody time traveled the same way and then they would talk and then there were like some hijinks, but it all felt very like cohesive
1: uniform. Yes. Yeah.
0: This was not that. This was like huge. Like yeah. sometimes you're watching Fast and the Furious, sometimes you're watching like like I-, I don't even know. Like Lord of the Rings. Like it's all over the place. Like <laughs> yeah. it's it's really broad and yeah. really cool. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, that comes, too, with the variety of, like I was talking about, the variety of martial arts styles. Yeah, you exactly. you know, sometimes it's very straight-up kung fu, very closed fist kind of fighting. There's, you know, the in- introduction of, like, Wing Chun and uh, Tai Chi and things like that. Yep. And then, like I said, uh, Simu Liu has talked about the various regional styles that kind of played into it. So, bringing in that kind of bevy of different stuff, not only... Allows for some really artistic storytelling mid fight. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the scenes I like the most, and I'll say that we haven't gotten to the spoiler section yet, so I'll say this without spoiling anything: is, uh, Shang Chi is training with somebody. He's trying to learn a better way to fight. He's fighting, 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 getting his butt kicked. The person comes up to him. He's got two closed fists, and they just open the fists.
0: They open the palm.
1: They open the palm, and it's just like. That's storytelling mid fight, and you yeah. see him do that during later kind of big fights. You'll see him literally consciously like move to a more flowy, open style. Yeah, uh, and it's storytelling in the middle of a fight. It's
0: so cool. And that's that's
1: cool. <laughs> With no words, no dialogue, just the movements of the body tell the story, and that's impressive. That's really impressive and hard to do, and it should be commended as like a really interesting way of telling a story literally how somebody's fighting and moving moves the story along. Yeah. Um, we're going to dive into stuff. That's a little bit more spoilery now. Spoiler alert is in effect. Hopefully I'll remember to actually add the alert sound (laughs) this time. Oops. I got to fire the editor. Um, Mm -hmm. it's me. (laughs) Um, so we're going to talk about some stuff because I have a couple things that I want to talk Same. about. The first thing I wanted to talk about is I need to make a shout out uh, because I feel like there's a new group forming. And I don't know if I'm the only one that will feel this way about this movie. But I know with uh, WandaVision and there is even slight mentions of it in Loki uh, and it's hard to not also feel that way and I didn't think I was a part of this group, but I realized while watching this movie that I am a part of this group. Uh the I don't know a good name for the group. So okay. I'm going to call them the uh Tin Hat Mephisto lovers. <laughs> we're the we're the Mephisto preppers.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) Because I spent
1: a significant portion of the later bit of this movie, because eventually it gets revealed, um, right around the time it gets revealed that, you know, the person summoning Shang-Chi's father maybe isn't actually Shang-Chi's mother and is some dark entity. And then we find out that they locked away this dark entity behind this, like, protective gate. I was like, it's MFing Mephisto. <laughs> this is how we're going to get Mephisto in the MCU. He's going to bust out, but he's going to be too weak to fight the... Or he's going to fight the dragon a little bit and then run away. And they're going to be like, we well, saved the day, but the darkness got out. It's in your world now. And that's how we're going to get Mephisto. And I'm so excited. And it ended up being like a large tentacle bat. But...
0: It was like a cool Chinese I, mytholo- mythology creature. It was cool.
1: I... Was disappointed at the reveal of what was behind the gate and then had to take a moment with myself where I stared at my hands and said, oh, no, I'm one of them.
0: There is there is. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I'll post one on our Facebook so that people can see it. But there is a meme that is the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen from his from his chair. Yeah. At every movie being like Mephisto. Mephisto yeah. And I, yeah. I, that just came to my brain when I looked at Chris and he's like pointing at the screen in the theater and I'm like, it's not going to be Mephisto.
1: So <laughs> look forward to my Facebook group, the Mephisto preppers, where we're going <laughs> to theorize how Mephisto is going to appear in every Marvel movie until he finally does. <laughs> We're going to tweet at Marvel Studios every single day, day blank of me requesting Mephisto in a Marvel movie. Um, I don't even like, I, I don't give a shit about Mephisto. You don't! I legitimately well, don't. I have read but
0: way more
1: stuff that involves I feel him like, than you. Yeah, I feel like he's going to be in the MCU at some point. And I feel like he would be a good character to introduce kind of in the background while you have, like, your big, like, oh, Kang's running around now, and then we finish up the Kang arc, and then it's like, oh, Galactus is here, and then we finish up the Galactus, and so on and so forth, you can just have Mephisto kicking around. Nice thing about it is if you're the actor you cast for Mephisto is like, no, nah, I'm done, you can cast a new actor as Mephisto. It doesn't have to be the same person every no. time. You can even just make him a CG thing and just be like, okay, well, you sign this contract where we can use your face indefinitely and just have somebody do the voice, but... Anyway,
0: it's just funny because I guess I should probably join the Mephisto Preppers group because I'm sitting here like you guys are all wrong. He's coming in Blade, duh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. I spent a large portion of this movie really excited to see Mephisto or Blackheart pop out of this thing, and then it it wasn't. It was very cool. It was still super but it cool. It wasn't, and I realized I left my aluminum foil hat at home. <laughs>
0: You were not protected. Yeah. I want to talk about something a little different, but something that was so subtle and so cool to me. Okay? Another problem that I have, it's not a problem, it's just something that's consistent, in the Marvel Universe movies is that the bad guys are often just bad guys. If it's not Loki, the bad guys are typically irredeemable dicks.
1: I'm sorry if you're consistently hearing a bunch of ice swishing around. I have an oat milk shake and espresso, and I can't stop. So I just wanted to apologize if that's good. I'm trying to lean away from the mic. and um, It's very loud, so I just wanted to go ahead and put a disclaimer. This is unrelated to anything. I just Im- I want to share my shame. Proceed, bad guys are dicks.
0: In most of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if it's not Loki, who only became not a dick because he's so damn pretty they had to do something else with him, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) everybody else always typically feels like you're an irredeemable douche. Like, Thanos was a douche, and like all of the Iron Man bad guys are just bad people, like, and, and you just you think of all of the bad people and the bad guys and the villains in these movies, and they're just, they're just villains, right? There's, there's some depth sometimes, like, this is why I'm a villain. But typically, they're just villains. But this movie did a really great job of giving substantial nuance to the villain. Because the villain, for all intents and purposes, is Shang-Chi's father. He was a villain for 1,000 years. Mm -hmm. And then he fell in love and had babies. And then his wife died. And now he's a heckin' villain again. But he's not. It was interesting because there's this implication that when he fell in love, he changed. And then it's like, oh, well, then she died and he changed back. Like, he hadn't really changed. That's not the case. And you can actively tell that's not the case. It's not that he's... Always been a bad guy and will always be a bad guy. It's that he was a bad guy who was given a reason and a purpose to live and then is in grief. Mm-hmm. He's struggling with mourning with no other way to deal with it but vengeance and pain. And it's so interesting to me because, like, he does like he treated his kids like crap. It was active abuse, mm-hmm. but he still really loved them. Mm-hmm. He couldn't look at them. It's interesting because there's a really subtle part in the movie where the daughter, the sister, talks about how she. He, her father wouldn't look at her after her mother died because he said that it, she couldn't. She looked too much like her mom mm-hmm. and he couldn't look at her because it just brought too much pain. Mm. And so that's why he put all his dedication into Shang-Chi. But Shang-Chi was also equally kind of abused in the circumstances because he was turned into an assassin. But then they go to their home, to their mother's, you know, village, and immediately their aunt looks at Shang-Chi and goes, you look like your mom. And so it's almost less like he was neglecting the sister because she looked like the mom and more, he was putting all his energy and and, and, Shang-Chi
1: and because, giving all of this yeah.
0: effort to Shang-Chi because he looked like his mom. And I think that's so cool. Like, you think like, oh, he's such a bad guy. He, you know, he was a villain for you know a thousand years he was power hungry he was a monster and then he just reverted right back to his old ways but he never went back to his old ways Mm -hmm. he just didn't know how to deal with his grief yeah and i i don't know it was so interesting he felt so much more like he was an awful dude and probably worse villain than many of the villains that we've been introduced to in terms of longevity and the fact that like you know Iron Man villains have only been alive for 40, 40 years or so. This guy's been <laughs> alive for like over a 1000. Yeah. doing bad stuff. But he just felt so much more redeemable and relatable, and I felt like they gave him so much more nuance, saturating him in this grief and this this like mourning. I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. It felt it felt so much more nuanced gave, than Marvel typically does. It gave
1: depths and made room for redemption of the villain.
0: Yeah, you but know, in a way it, that didn't feel like I feel like in certain, some storylines, you like redeem a villain and it's like, I don't want the villain to be redeemed. He well, didn't need to yeah, be redeemed. That's why
1: I said <laughs> the the storytelling they chose, the story they told for this villain makes that room for redemption. Yes. So like, for instance, if we're talking about, I'll bring it up because I know you hate it, Kabuto from Ugh. Naruto.
0: Uh.
1: We haven't <laughs> gotten to the point where he gets redemption, but I've heard on the grapevine that he gets some sort of redemption down the line the storytelling like the story they are telling with kabuto right now does not make room for redemption no it doesn't you know orochimaru from naruto the story they're telling right now does not make room for redemption but eventually in boruto his kid hangs out with everyone else's kid you know what i mean so (laughs) even sasuke very obviously gets a redemption arc because he's a major player in boruto we haven't gotten there yet but the story they're telling of Sasuke right now does not give him room for redemption. No, it does not. So to be able to redeem a villain, you have to have that space there. Yes. For And you do that by creating these complex motivations that aren't just power Black and white. Yeah. or chaos or ruin. The Joker, no room for redemption in the Joker. No. But that's fine because that's the Joker's steez. That's He doesn't want that He doesn't redemption, want redemption. You know? A character like Bane, you could potentially find redemption in Bane. Right. You know, uh, he his motivations are different and slightly more complex than just like power and chaos and things like that. Right. And they did that with this. Like you said, his main motivation is grief, you know, yeah. and he's being manipulated. Yeah. He himself is not in charge of his actions. And the way he sees it is even though he's being forceful. You know, because he honestly feels like his kids don't understand what he's doing. He wants to take his kids to this magical village, which he knows is going to fight him tooth and nail. But in his mind, he sees as the the prison guards of his wife's spirit. Yeah. One true love spirit is being held captive by these people. Yeah. So they're not just going to let her go. So he has violent means for getting that. But the ends for it. Is that he gets a return of his love and is the mother of his children. Yeah. And so you're exactly right. In his mind, while it's violent, complicated, and aggressive, it's ultimately <laughs> altruistic.
0: And and like the the whole prepping of his son to be an assassin <clears throat> was to kill the person who killed his mom and It's interesting because you know that it's not fully like anachronistic to go, you know, to his feelings toward his son because the son runs away. He could have gotten his son back. He could have easily sent people to go retrieve his son. He mentions
1: that he always knows where his kids are. Yeah,
0: but he just let him go because he's like, okay, they want to go. So I'll just let them go. And that's just what it is. So there is this like it's so clear that, oh, my dad's a bad guy why
1: yeah well and you know he sends his son to go he trains his son up and then sends his son to go assassinate the man responsible for the death of his his wife and his son's mother yep um because he in his mind and the way he feels about it that's how you heal grief yeah you know the moment it happens he immediately goes out he takes shot little shang chi they go to this bar and they kill a bunch of dudes because that's how he heals his grief. They try to figure out where the boss is. He spends some years trying to figure it out.
0: Blood is repaid and in blood.
1: He could easily hop on the helicopter himself, go find this old man and kill him himself with his 10 rings. But he's sending his son because he wants his son to heal the way the death of this man will result in healing for both of them. Yep. And he feels like if his son does it. And yes, I'm not saying this is right. You know, we've we've seen endless stories talking about how you know dig two graves, yeah, kind of thing. An
0: eye for an eye just makes the whole world blind. Yeah,
1: and you know, it's not the right way to do it, but in his mind, it is. Yeah, he sees this as healing. Yeah, you know, a blood pact has been made or something like it that. Was, yeah, it was yeah, like says.
0: spilled blood can only be treated with yeah,
1: blood, blood blood for blood effectively. Yeah, and that's what he sees. So in in sending his 14 year old son to go kill a man in America, he sees it as I'm helping the death will heal me, the act of doing it will heal him. Yep, and he'll be able to be a man yep. from it, um, and be able to move past the death of his mother. And you know, ultimately, he found out not enough, I need to now figure out a way to get her back. Yeah, and that's when this thing reaches out to him and tells him, Hey, come to this place and let me out, and then you know yeah and you know so ultimately he's being altruistic he's just trying to deal with his grief it's just the wrong way of going about it and he's being manipulated yeah you know a couple quick shout outs that are spoilery uh a and then we'll wrap up because this has gone long uh a if trevor hadn't been in this movie i would have been endlessly pissed off about it so thank you
0: It was so good. Ben
1: Kingsley's Trevor is one of my favorite MCU characters because he's just wacky. And I feel like Iron Man 3, including Trevor, like the Trevor reveal, yeah, was really the big kick into Marvel finding other types of humor to integrate into their thing, aside from just like snarky hero.
0: Aside from just um, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah.
1: On that note, quick sort of thing. I feel like the humor in this one was a lot more mature than we've seen out of, like, it was really well done. Yeah. Like, Shang-Chi didn't spend the whole time quipping and being no. silly. And while they did have Katie there, who was kind of a, you know, humorous person Quip-y and kind of behavior, comedy relief, yeah. this movie was not afraid to have extended serious moments. Yeah. You know, it, it was not afraid to be a serious movie. It yeah. didn't need to relieve that tension with humor all the time. And I thought that was really impressive.
0: If anything, that made the moments of humor, like the instances of yeah. the karaoke, just that much more impressive <coughs> and impactful. Yeah.
1: And it I just feel like it had, there was a much, there was a really rich balance of serious tone and humor in this movie. I think they did a really good job. They didn't just make Shang-Chi another Iron Man who, like, quips and stuff. He was yeah. a little awkward, kind of shy at times. And kind of stoic at times. And I think that yeah. really worked. It was cool seeing a hero that was... Honestly, that was more the way I would have preferred Doctor Strange. And they've been doing Doctor Strange really well lately.
0: Yeah, now he's he's much less quippy than he was yeah. when they first introduced him. He's a bit of much a problem in the Doctor Strange
1: movie <laughs> that he was just super Iron Man. You yeah. know what I mean? He was magical Iron Man. and uh, But they've made him a lot more dry going yes. forward in his appearances. And I think that's really good. Um excuse me the oat milk's catching up (laughs) um the male protagonist and the female protagonist do not end in a relationship and i love that (laughs) oh my god i'm so like i won't bring it up because it'll be another hour and a half before this episode ends but looking at you looking at you loki oh my god (laughs) I, Hollywood has this extreme problem against platonic relationships, and it drives me bonkers. Yeah. Uh, because here's a a shock to, here's a hot take for you, America. Men and women can be friends without boning or falling in love. It's true. It's just how it is. Men and women can do that. It's true. And this movie... It leaves it open for people that would want them to be connected romantically and be happy about that. Yep. But it never makes any sort of grounded statement about it. No. They're just friends by the end. Yep. As far as you know. Yep. And that's amazing. So Shang-Chi number two, whenever we get that, Shang-Chi two... Do not make them in a relationship, please. I don't yeah, want don't it to open it. with them, like, Shang-Chi coming home with his jacket over his thing and Katie comes up with a martini with a baby in a hand. No, F that. They're still friends. <laughs> like, yeah. just let them be friends. We don't need to have <laughs> romance subplots in every freaking movie we no, have. No, you really don't. Yeah. Um,
0: I want a Morris plushie. (coughs) Just had to throw that out there. Morris plushie. He's the freaking cutest. Uh, And then then
1: finally, shout out to the writers for handling Katie's story and giving one of the more relatable millennial subplots I've seen lately. Yes. Very, very well done. (laughs) Katie is ultimately just a woman trying to learn how to look at all the things she wants to do and settle on something. Yeah. And you know, decide what direction her life takes and be happy with it. Yeah. She's ultimately a woman who is struggling with uh, this idea that this fear of failure or this fear of commitment to something she wants to do. Yeah. And applying herself to it. And it's a very relatable thing it's for millennials. It's so relatable. Especially nowadays when people are realizing that, you know, job security is not what we thought it was career paths are not what we thought they were mm-hmm. and a lot of people are looking for something that they are actually passionate about yep. and not just something they're supposed to do yep. so we see Katie this woman who has spent a lot of her like a portion of her life kind of rebelling against this idea of getting into a career or like pursuing you know a deeper education or pursuing a passion project or anything like that and she's just kind of floating and having fun and getting chided by her mother and You know, she goes off into this mystical world and realizes that if she applies herself to something that she enjoys, she can get something out of it, whether it be just the joy of doing it or some sort of career or something like that. And that's a very, very relatable subplot. And I loved it. I loved watching Katie's journey Yeah, in this as much as watching Shang-Chi's, as much as watching the rest of the family and the village and the, you know, even Razor Fist had an interesting arc. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was really cool, Um, but Katie's story was really, really refreshing. It It was was, it was nice seeing writers be able to take a look at a more millennial condition without kind of lampooning,
0: without calling it millennial. Yeah, like it was one of those. She even makes the comment at one point where she's like, "Wow, so you're like really good at martial arts and dedicated so much of your life to it. I can't focus on anything very long." I start to care about something and then the minute I start to get good at it, I yeah. just give it up. And, and I'm like, Oh, in, that Admittedly, hurt. <laughs> in,
1: in her explanation of it too, like her, her story arc, if you out there are like me and you suffer from ADHD, you can relate to this. Like the mm-hmm. way she describes her course of life is very, very relatable. Mm-hmm. Bouncing from project to project, unable to sit something down and just like focus on it. Uh, and it, you know, it's it's relatable to a lot of different people. Yes. And I think it's, it's interesting having a subplot, a side character subplot, or, like, the friend character subplot that is more weighted in reality and more, like, heartfelt yeah. than just, like, I'll never find love. I found love. Or, yeah. like... I never speak up for myself and then you give them that one moment where they speak up for themselves and they're like, oh, it's like, oh, they learned. And it's like, <laughs> she actually has a growth throughout yeah. this, like a slow, methodical growth throughout this. And it's impressive. It's I love cool. That. So, Shang-Chi, go out and see it. It's so good. Uh, I I assume it's on Disney Plus, so you can do that too if you're uncomfortable. I don't think it is. Is it?
0: I think it's not. I okay. I think they did. It's only theaters. Which... I'm sure, I'm
1: sure that will come up in the lawsuit. Yeah, I think so. Um, Shang Chi, go out and see it. Highly, highly recommended. This is easily one of my favorite Marvel movies. I'm probably going to go see it again with a group of friends. Um, incredible, fantastic. Yeah, ten was, out of ten. I it loved really, it. Really I, I didn't have a single problem with it.
0: You oh, know? No. I'm sure it I could. Great. I'm
1: sure I could nitpick things if I wanted to, but I don't want to. Everything, the stuff I liked was too good.
0: It was. It was the fantastic. End. And yep. I just looked it up. It is not currently on Disney Plus, which oof Disney, that's oof. Yeah. <laughs> also, Hollywood, how how did it take us this
1: long to cast strictly Chinese actors to play Chinese people?
0: Yo, it, it makes <laughs> Like, it makes me think of the tweet from 2014 when Simu Liu literally went on Twitter and was yeah. like, love Iron Man and Thor. When are we going to have an Asian American Avenger? Yeah. And now he is one. Yeah. It's so cool. I'm
1: just saying. You got a bunch of Chinese characters and you cast a bunch of Chinese actors. How, how hard is that? <laughs> know what I mean? It's not. Take notes. It's not that hard. Take notes, Hollywood. Uh, so that's going to do it for us um go out and see this movie if you want to hear more episodes including other real extras uh our most recent one being for black widow mm-hmm. uh you can or find suicide squad was it oh yeah suicide squad yeah I totally forgot about suicide squad for some reason um <laughs> So, most recent ones for Suicide Squad, you can find those episodes as well as other things on our regular weekly episodes on our website at coverbypodcast.com
0: You can also follow us on social media. I'm going to find one of those Leonardo DiCaprio memes with the Mephisto preppers uh, on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at coverbeepodcast.
1: Yep. And we will be back uh, on Thursday for our weekly episode. Yep. So, until then, uh, we will see you back here for our next episode.
0: of Cover B. Bye, everybody!